Welcome back, my loves. Oh, do I have a guest to introduce you to? <laughs> this is so exciting. I'm like, I'm like eager to introduce you to Harrison Coley. He is a multiple six-figure entrepreneur, an Ironman athlete, and you struck me from the first second I met you. I met you at a house party. Yep. Shout out to Byron. Shout out to Byron. Not just any house either. Not <laughs> right? just any house. Mansion on the hills. And, um, yeah, from the first sentence, I was like, who's this? Because <laughs> you're incredibly young, mm. and yet you speak like a wise older man. And it was, it was enough to where literally from the first sentence, I was like, w- wait, <laughs> I'm sorry, what's your name? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. You're, you've um, um, and and then you shared with me some of your journey and it's been quite potent. Um, so I would a... love to dive there, and we're also going to discuss mental performance and how it affects business, since you're clearly well versed. Oh well, thank you. I definitely I've gone through my fair share of tough battles, and yeah. so hopefully we can share some uh, share some little nuggets today. I would love to dig in your brain for nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool. We're we're mining for gold today. We are definitely going to get some gold. All right, uh, then Harrison, tell me, um, how did it all begin? Oh my gosh. Well, um, I guess uh, my my father was really in love with my mother, and (laughs) that's that's where it all began. Um, Yeah, lots of trouble there. But I know at thirteen, you you was that like a hitting rock bottom? I know you had some drug. Addiction yeah. issues, and then what happened? So it, it was actually earlier than that. Um, and you know what? Now that you mentioned it, there there was a bit of a catalyst. Um, so at 11 years old, uh, one of my good friends at the time, she asked me if I wanted to... Well, there's a group of them, and they're like, hey, do you want to get high? And I was like very scared. You know, I'm a Boy Scout. I went to this little private art school. Um, very fortunate for that on both of those things. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. I'll get high, you know? And I remember the first time I smoked, it was a metal pipe socket, uh, like out of like a a socket wrench. Oh, wow. And I'm 11 years old sitting in the field behind her house. And right after my mom and comes in, my mom comes and picks me up and I go to a doctor's office for a physical assessment. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I will never be, I will never forget being high in that doctor's office, like thinking I'm going to go to jail and, was, and I got away with it. Um, but so that was, that was at a young age. Um, and then like throughout high school, I wasn't happy with myself. Uh, there's multiple suicide attempts in between 11 and 17. Wow. Um, yeah. Depression. Like I would just like, I wasn't doing things I was proud of. Right. And so like staying up until four in the morning, watching Minecraft Let's Plays while eating 7-Eleven pizza and Sour Patch gummy watermelon. Like that isn't really a life that's like I say that and it's like that's really that's sad. Right. Uh. Like it, it's not something that's that's impressive by any measure um, unless we're measuring by like how many Sour Patch Kid gum- <laughs> like watermelon someone's eaten in their life. But yeah, it wasn't wasn't a life I was proud of. Um, at 18 years old, I. Uh, ended up having actually a one night stand with a stripper at the time. And I found out three months later, she messaged me that she had had a miscarriage and it was my child. And so I was freshly 18. This is like two or three months after I turned 18. The one night stand was right around my birthday. 
And <laughs> here I am three months later sitting in my room sobbing and questioning my whole life because I'm like selling drug to my friends, selling weed to my friends and not happy with my life at all in any way, shape and form. And I was like, I could have just become a father. And that to me is like very holy, right? Like I, or sacred. I am blessed with parents that are still married to this day. And although my dad isn't like, no, I don't think any person's perfect. Um, but he, he did everything he could to be a strong role model in my life. And thinking about being an 18 year old working at a restaurant, selling dope on the side and no physical health, like no positive frame. I was like, this is not the father figure I want to be. Um, and so that was kind of like, well, can I get sober? Like, what would it look like for me to get sober? And so I tried that. And I think that the thing that's allowed me to, to build this business, I just turned 22. So this is four years later. Um, I've now run the Ironman. I live a sober lifestyle. I'll drink every very occasionally, very rarely. Uh, marijuana was my drug of choice back then though. So I don't feel a huge concern with the overlap there, but, uh, I, I try to live a, a more constructive or positive life now, right? Like I'll, I'll spend a lot of my day reading books or meditating um, when I'm not working on the business. So incredible! Shout out to Stevie, your <laughs> papa. Shout out to Stevie. He's <laughs> quite a man. You you have had the pleasure of meeting my father. <laughs> I so. have. He's incredible. Oh, what a guy! Wow, what a journey! Yeah, there's the cliff notes. I guess that I just like kind of cliff notes, <laughs> but they're powerful. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah. I'm, what a blessing. Mm. to have had that awakening at, at a young age. Yeah. It was, uh, wasn't fun to go through at the time, right? Mm. At the time it was very painful, but now I'm super grateful. Now I share that and I'm like, Oh, Not grateful for you even waking up to the re the, the reality of it. Cause that didn't mm. have to hit you. Mm. Yeah. It, well, I think I missed a lot of wake ups. You know, I, I feel like we're, we're always getting woken up. There's always a slap to reality. <laughs> and we're like, no, nah, I'm fine, right? Yeah. But, uh, every once in a while, one comes through and just breaks through. And you're like, oh, my God. I'm not so, fine. Yeah, I I'm am not, not fine. fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, How do you support others then in that, in that moment of um, maybe there is a, an addiction of some kind or maybe they're just the person's off track in terms of who they really want to be. Mm, mm, yeah. And I, I would offer on that, that like uh, a lot of the times the substance abuses or the like depression is just a side effect that they're not where they want to be or they're not doing what they want to do. Right. Um, and I'm actually, I'm, so I'm actually tomorrow's Thanksgiving and I'll be flying to uh, South Carolina to go spend some time with a buddy who's in that spot. Right. He's, he's in a position where he doesn't feel fully alive. And I think that's like the most dangerous state a human can be in is that we turn to things to numb us or to feel okay right now because we don't feel totally alive. Um, and I think the best thing that we can do in those moments is show them that there's a better way, mm. right? Like I think for me, I'm so, so blessed to like have YouTube and the technology we have today to instead of watching Minecraft Let's Players that were probably living a very similar lifestyle as I was at the time, I started watching, you know, more of these like uh, masculine role models, like even Iman Godzi, who's a 22 year old entrepreneur and living this massive lifestyle. And I saw that and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this guy has a life I want. Like there was even uh, a bit of jealousy. I was like, wow, like this guy's my age. He's actually younger than me. And he's worth like $25 million and is like all over the world doing these cool things. And 
like has a healthy lifestyle and healthy habits. And that's what was like, okay, I want to do that. So, um, I would offer like, if you know someone that's going through those things, like expose them to cooler stuff, Mm. like, Hey, let's go do something that you would be jealous of me doing on my own. (laughs) 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 And invite them in to show them how they can do it too. Exactly. Exactly. Beautiful. Yeah. It's like, Hey, this is possible. And then don't be afraid to have the real talk. Right. Like the, I think a lot of it is like having that hard conversation of like, they know it and they Mm -hmm. probably are telling themselves the story of my life is miserable and this isn't who I am or this isn't what I should be doing. And the story they're telling themselves is probably a lot worse than any story you could tell them. Yeah. And so it's like, if you sit down and just go, Hey man, like you're not living up to your potential at all. And there's so much more available for you. They, they'll hear that and they'll be like, yeah, I know. And then it's just like, there might be a better way. Yeah. Uh, Jenna uh, Ballard, who you know, uh, led us through this exercise where we wrote down our fears, essentially. Mm -hmm. And and first she started with what we wanted to create in our life. And then we had to write all the reasons why our inner dialogue says we can't have that. Yeah. And why we're not good enough somehow to have that. And not only did we have to write it down, we then had to face our partner and read it out loud. And in that moment, in that exercise of reading out what, how I talk to myself mm. on the inside. Powerful. It was like, oh, <laughs> I am mortified to read this out loud. Yeah. Yeah, well, because you write it out thinking, oh, well, I'll just express my inner dialogue. And then she goes, read it. And you go, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. But it, like, landed so yeah. much stronger of how we talk to ourselves mm. is just mean. And, yeah. like, no way would I be a friend with anyone who talked to me like this. No, no. And you would never talk to a friend like that. No, because it's not even yeah. deserved most of it. No. It's like, and wow. It really helped, like, okay what am I saying to myself that actually has no validation mm. has, an, has no purpose other than to knock me down. Right. It's not serving me. And yeah, it's definitely going to lead to some destructive behaviors. Yeah. <laughs> of course. I want to numb out from that thought too. Yeah. It's like, Whoa, that, that's intense. <laughs> <This is> horrible. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. so I invite you to do that with your friend when you go visit. Mm, thank my, you. Might be yeah. a good one. Yeah, I think that could be a fun exercise because he definitely, <laughs> he's got maybe some stories. And that's um, Joe Dispenza. He talks about like getting addicted to that. Like the ego gets addicted to like, oh, I'm just going to knock you down every time you get up. And then like maybe that's where that defeated sense of self of like, there's no hope for me or it's never going to get better. It's like, well, you're addicted to telling yourself that story. Yeah. It's like, what if we vocalize it and address it, change it? The story part is a really important one. This this uh, message came to me in, at a festival uh, of all places. <laughs> I was um, uh, I was with at a festival with a lot of couples, and they were all very happy. Mm. And I noticed very strongly that I was very alone. And so at one point, I was kind of moping around, and um, someone, one of the married guys, noticed, and he's mm. like, "Come here, give me a hug." And he just held held me in a non-sexual way, obviously, and just was yeah. like, what's going on? And I was like, mm. and I, I didn't want to say it first. He's like, no, 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 go on. Yeah. What's going on? And he like literally wouldn't let go until I shared. And I was like, I'm alone. And it all just came out. Yeah. <laughs> And he says, and he, and I told him the whole sob story of probably why I've been single for nine years. And, you know, and Mm. he's, he just looked at me, he goes, I don't like that story. 
I was like, I don't either. And he's like, mm. do you want, do you want to pick a different one? Mm. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, how about Nikki always gets what she wants. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. that one. That's a great story. <laughs> and all of a sudden I went from this like sad, sad being to mm. like vibrant and dancing and happy and like, you know, it's yeah. okay. It, 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 things don't always happen on your time, but they're happening. Mm. And it, it requires my vibration to be in alignment with what I want. Yes. And, yes. and it starts with this inner dialogue, this story. What is the story you're telling yourself? Mm. Right? Mm. Like, what are you capable of yeah. as an entrepreneur at 22 years old? Mm. You could tell yourself a lot of different stories. I could. I could. And I could tell myself the story of like Iman Godzi or like Zuckerberg of like, I'm behind. Right? Mm. Or I could tell myself the story of like the Colonel Sanders of KFC didn't start till 60. So I'm like, I'm so far ahead. Yeah. Like even like Gary Vee, right? He's really big in the media right now. He started at what, like 35? He was working on his dad's liquor shop until then. No way. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I got plenty of time. Oh my God. You're way ahead of the curve, Mm. my friend. Yeah. And I want to highlight on the story thing, like Mm. especially, I think that that festival example highlights it so perfectly of the the inner dialogue is with the inner child. Mm. And so the inner child is like, yeah. Or it's like, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Right. Like right. it's, you don't have to use fancy airy fairy words. It doesn't have to be in, you know, big complicated language or neuropsychology to fix it. It's like, you're talking to a little kid, like talk to a four-year-old. Yeah. And like, what do you talk to a four-year-old? No, you can't have that. Shut up. Right. Or are you going to talk to the four-year-old? Hey, Nikki gets what she wants. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that what Nikki wants? Okay. <laughs> Let's take care of Nikki today. <laughs> You know, it's like that's yeah, a, it's true. It's very simple. It yeah. doesn't. I think we get lost in the the self help sabotage of like, oh, it has to be complicated, or like I have to use this routine or this biohacking strategy to be where I want to be. And it's like, would you treat a four year old like that? Like mm. where you have your fourteen different mushrooms that go into your mushroom latte in the morning, <laughs> and I sit in this exact phase of meditation for forty five minutes. I'm like. Let's make it simple, guys. Just give the kid a lollipop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's, uh, I I, I think it now having gone through my own journey of like being in a not so great space mentally or like within myself where I wasn't happy with myself to where I am now, while still like, I feel like my whole entire journey have preserved this inner child, right? Where like I walk in a room and people are like, that's a very joyful man. Right? Like I try to be very joyful, very playful. I do a lot of cartwheels, even in a suit. Um, I got no issue with cartwheels. And like people are like, how do you do that? And I'm like, I just don't take myself too serious. You know, like I think we just take this whole life thing too serious. It's like what if, what if this is all you got and the funniest moments are the ones where you don't care at all, right? It's mm. like those, those just moments where you're like sitting in the cookie, cookie shop at 11 o'clock at night with your boys and like someone just says something stupid and (laughs) away you go. (laughs) How do you not care about what other people think and the the fear of judgment doesn't run through you so strongly Mm. or does it and you just ignore it? So that's a wonderful question because I feel like if there's anything I truly have mastered, it's the art of not giving. Can I swear on the show? It's the art of not giving a fuck. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) 
It's that's like the one thing I truly believe I've mastered. Yeah, and it makes you fantastic. Oh, it's man. like probably your the the that's what like makes you so juicy is like yeah. this like I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna show up how I want. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like you could ask me any question about any part of my life, and I'll tell you an honest answer because yeah. I don't give a fuck. Right. And so like that also makes my beliefs maybe a bit extreme in a lot of things. But how'd the, you get there though? Yes. And so the the question being, how did I get there? Um, I just embarrassed myself a lot publicly. <laughs> um, and so like I had a childhood where I was getting bullied. So like in school, I just learned like, well, it doesn't matter how I behave. I'm still going to get my ass beat no matter what, like no matter what I do at recess, I'm getting my ass beat. I might as well enjoy myself while I'm doing it. Right. Um, so I, I started at a young age and then 11, 12, 13 years old, I'd smoke a bunch of pot and then I'd go walk around the streets with a deck of cards and I would do magic trick for magic tricks for people. Yeah. Um, and like I do magic tricks where I'm like, okay, now you have to kiss each other. And like, you know, like I, I, I like, I push the envelope <laughs> in my magic. I um, love it. And like, or like as a boy scout, we go on these boy scout trips and I would always try to get the phone number of whatever girl was working the fast food restaurant that we'd stop at on our <laughs> boy scout trips. Um, so it's the repetitions, right? But it's still, it's never easy. And every single time I'm in a situation where it's like approach that beautiful woman or have that conversation or, you go approach that guy that, you know, is better off than you or like the guy that just spoke on stage. There's always going to be that I don't deserve this or I shouldn't do this story. And you just get better at seeing the story and leaving the story. And so that, that's all it is, is you get more familiar with what's on the other side and you positively and re- positively reinforce that she's really pretty and she might have an RBF and she might look like she hates me. But if I go over and talk to her, I'm sure she's wonderful. RBF. It took me a second. I'm like, resting bitch face? Yep, that's the one. That's the one. Um, uh, that's hilarious. So I have this mm. technique when I work with my clients is we name that part of you that says, you know, you're not worthy to do this. Mm. We mm. name it. We give him a name. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, that's, you know, my, my client says he calls his helmet. That's helmet. That's oh, helmet that's saying he so wants awesome. another drink. That's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh. And and by doing that, he, he's that. like, that's one of my, he, was one of his favorite things that I, I have taught him that it's like by naming it, meaning like, that's just one part mm-hmm. of me that mm-hmm. I don't have to listen to. Yeah. 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 I, so I'll, on this technique, I use my middle name Oh, because he's never going away and he's always going to get smarter and he's always going to be a part of me. Um, but there's a level of dejection when I'm like, okay, Robert, I'm like, calm down, Robert. <laughs> I'm like, Robert, we're not doing that. And it's like, it's not just <laughs> no social approach. It's like, I want another drink or I should sleep in or I don't need to work out today or damn, I'm kind of hungry right now. You know, I'm like, Robert, we don't need food right now. Not in this moment. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of stories Robert likes to tell, but the, the, <laughs> the more, and, and, and on the opposite side of that, it's like, what's the story you do want to tell yourself and yes. name that one, Yeah, you know, like I've, I've chosen to write out, I have a list in my journal of like a hundred different things that Harrison is. Ooh. And so Robert is these things, but Harrison is these things. And so when I hear Robert, I can you know, kind of separate myself from Robert and I could go, no, no, Harrison's this and Harrison's going to do that. You know, Harrison doesn't act like Robert. Very smart. Very mm. wise move. Mm. Yeah, well, it gives you a lot of power, right? Yeah. And then it's like, and there's also like Robert likes to do self-sabotaging behavior and then feel shitty about it. 
right? So Robert's going to eat all of the food and then sit there and be like, God, I'm such a fat ass versus Harrison's just going to move on. <laughs> He's going to go, okay, great. What's next? This is a fascinating concept to me and I need to like bring on some psychologists, but I'd love your yeah. opinion on this. Like, why do we, like we have these cravings that are not good for us, right? We know they're not good for us, but something in our head goes, just do it, do it, do it. Have the mm. cookie, eat the cookie, eat the cookie. Like right? mm. until you eat the cookie, you finally satiate the craving, and then you're like, why'd you do that? Yeah. Oh, Boy. come on. <laughs> Did you really need to do that? Mm. <laughs> like, it's a ridiculous... For sure. What, it's, like, psychotic. It, it, it li- literally is it's psychotic. Yeah. yeah, but that, <laughs> I mean, like, look at our society as a whole right now. Is that, you know, should we expect anything different? Um, and speaking of, like, the story we tell ourselves... I think it's it's very similar that like there's a novelty or there's a serotonin or dopamine hit when we engage in the activity. Right. Right. And so it's like you want what you can't have. Like and we talk about neuroscience and like, oh well, it's a serotonin boost or whatever. But we can also just go to thousand year old adages of like you want what you can't have mm. and then you have it and then you're also getting the rush of neuroadrenaline or whatever chemical cocktail in the brain for beating yourself up about it. And so it's like, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of like, you want to scratch the itch, scratch the itch, and then you bleed. But either way, like, I think there's still, like, there has to be some kind of neurofeedback on the shaming side of it, just as much as the desire side, right? Because you know. Interesting. I've never thought about that, that there's reward to shaming. Well, I think in in some some degree, uh, pain is necessary. Hmm. And so I I think that the human... Like, I mean, if you think about us, if we just bring it down to like the derivative of like humans being cavemen, our life was miserable, right? Like we sat in a cave and it was freezing cold and wet all the time. And we were half starved to death 90% of the time. And then we would go fight like saber toothed tigers and woolly mammoths for food. Like, that's a tough life. That's a really tough life. Hopefully they found some mushrooms along the way. Yeah, right? <laughs> now here we are. Oh, my gosh. But I, I think I think there's a degree of suffering that's hardwired into the brain that's healthy, mm. right? And so it's like, from, from my experience, if I do cold showers, if I exercise until failure, literally until failure, if I intentionally make myself suffer, I don't ever do those things. But in today's world, like, it's so easy to be happy all the time. And I think there's a a danger in, like, when everything is comfortable and everything is easy, then our baseline is way up here. And the human brain, I think, needs waves. I think we need a polarity, right? To experience really awesome, we need to also experience really not awesome, right? And so it's like, I, I would offer that, like, I still deal with the same magnitude of mental health issues as I did when I was an addict, except now... I do a cold plunge for 10 minutes or now I will fast for a week or just even fasting for a day. It's hard. It's chosen suffering. It's optional suffering. Doing an Ironman, that was optional suffering. I couldn't walk for like three days after because I didn't train for it. Um, I trained enough. Um, but, the, <laughs> but the suffering is good for us, right? And so like I think if, if we can choose what suffering we do on a daily basis, even like meditation to a degree is, is difficult, right? It's challenge. And so it's like, if you, if you challenge your, or getting on this podcast, this was terrifying for me. This really? is, oh yeah, this is like my, this is your natural place. You know, it's funny. Cause that's like, that's on the other side of choosing into the suffering, mm. right? It's like, then that's where you really hit your stride. Like, I think the, 
the best things in life are on the other side of that. It's like going into, to bring this to business, going into entrepreneurship, starting my marketing agency was terrifying. And it was a lot of suffering. Like it was a lot of, you know, 18, 20 hour days, sleepless nights, like a lot of moments where I didn't know how I was paying rent because I was paying my team or I didn't know if I could pay my team because I had to pay rent. Right. And so there was a lot of mental anguish. I love the word anguish. I think it's like a, but you get to choose if your pain, your suffering has purpose. Right. So like if I get in the cold shower, if I get in the ice bath, if I go to the gym or I just go on a run. I know that pain has purpose. I know it's going to make me stronger versus the pain of like being, feeling bad after watching porn or eating food. That pain has no purpose. Mm. It's just setting myself up to fail. The pain of sleeping in and missing something, that pain doesn't have any purpose in my life. It doesn't serve me. And so like, I think in today's world where everything is so easy to be comfortable And this is like, this is the key for me. It's like, you have to be really intentional about how you suffer because no matter what you're going to suffer, like life is hard, period, full stop. So it's like, what's hard? Hmm. Choose, choose the hard that serves you. Choose the hard that serves you. Yeah. Being consistent, being routined or being disciplined is hard, right? Yeah. Doing hard things is hard, but there's that, there's that saying of like a, uh, hard choices now make an easy life later. Easy choices now make a hard life later. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. fascinating. But, wow. Uh, I think that's the, the core of my philosophy if I had to bring it down to one thing. I'm like, that. you know what? That's actually what it would be is when I was a drug, a- drug addict all the way until now. This is, I'm having this breakthrough in real time. When I was a drug addict all the way till now, I've always won the same happiness things. I've always wanted a bunch of money, a great body, a fast car, and a beautiful girl, right? Like, I've always wanted those things. When I was smoking a bunch of pot, eating a bunch of terrible food, watching a bunch of porn, I wanted those things. And now, running a successful business, doing athletic activities, like, having a very optimized routine, I want the exact same things. The motivation, as far as, like, the prize, the prize never changed. Just the difference is, back then... I was doing all these terrible activities for me and I felt terrible about them, but it, it was easy in the moment, right? I was like, well, I can just get high or I'm lonely. Okay. I'll just watch porn or I'm hungry. Okay. I'll just eat Seven Eleven food versus now I'm lonely. Okay, great. Sit in it, you know, or <laughs> I, I'm bored. I don't know what to do. Great. Read a book like mm. smoking pot and watching YouTube is way more fun in the moment than reading a book, but long-term, right? Um, so I just shift like the, I, I just started to get really intentional with my pain. And that's, that's something I think I've like the art of not giving a fuck, right? Like I've chosen to intentionally embarrass myself publicly. I've chosen to intentionally put myself in challenging situations. I've chosen to like intentionally, like I have chosen in certain months to spend all of my money on like day two of the month. And so then the rest of the month I'm in this, I have to pay payroll in 10 days. And then I have to pay payroll 15 days after that and rent. And so the whole rest of the month, I'm trying to figure out what to do with my life or my bank account. That's suffering. That was chosen suffering of like, okay, I'm going to go spend it all. So I have to do something versus, oh, well, I have that extra savings, but it'd still be nice to make more. Hmm. So you yeah. increase the driving, the driver. Yeah. The motivation. I, I put a fire under my ass. Yeah. Yeah. And what does that lead to? 
Well, it's the whole thing of like a, a mouse will move a lot faster when there's a cat chasing it than when it's running towards cheese. Huh. Right? And so the, the mouse will like check out the cheese and the mouse is thinking, oh, that's really cool cheese. That looks nice. But there's a cat behind it. It's tearing out of there. It's like, <laughs> zoom. <laughs> so. I think you're speaking to the concept of resilience and human nature is um, that we are stronger when we somehow get knocked down seems like an interesting mm. word but um this concept of like when we go through things that are challenging mm. and we get through them and we thrive through them that we build a level of resistance so then things get easier mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. hard things are, are aren't so hard yeah. right and and ma it literally makes us stronger yeah so there can be an appreciation for a challenging childhood mm. Or, um, you know, an accident that left yeah. you immobile or, you know, like right. something that's really detrimental. It feels like, why did this happen to me? You know, if you go Jewish on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, that those moments are actually like, wow, okay, this actually came to serve. Yeah. And I teach this with the diabetes. Um it's my new uh, uncovered, like like your new blessing uh, that you're experiencing is like, how does diabetes actually, how did it come to serve me? Mm. And um, yeah. I mean, thanks to diabetes, I got a PhD in holistic health. Thanks to diabetes, I exercise every day. Thanks to yeah. diabetes, I like actually take really good care of what I eat and I'm compassionate right. to other uh, diabetics. And you know, right. Right. It, it's created so much. Mm. But if I focused on the, oh, poor me, I've got diabetes, I've got to inject myself 10 times a day. Right. You know? <laughs> You're, well, we know what that side of diabetics look like. Yeah. You know, and that's actually, it's really interesting. Like, diabetes is such a polarizing one because you see really healthy diabetics mm -hmm. and really unhealthy diabetics. And so both of them have the same monster in the closet, the same cat running behind them. Mm -hmm. It's just some of them are using it to, well, thank God I have this cat chasing me because now I live a healthy lifestyle. Now I run or, faster. Yeah, now I run faster. <laughs> and then there's other people that just get mauled in the corner. Right. And this damn cat won't leave me alone. This damn monster in my closet. This damn diabetes. Yeah. Same monster. Different mm. story. And that's, um, I'm no expert on like the, the science of this, but I, I heard this thing in passing or on a podcast about... Um, post-traumatic stress disorder and how there's actually an inverse reaction where there's traumatic experience that leads to your detriment, right? When like the, the difficult experience or the traumatic experience leads to you getting worse. Mm. And then there's the other side of that, the comeback story, right? Where you go through a traumatic event and it makes you a better person. It forges you like, that's that whole thing of like being forged in fire, right? It makes you versus you choose to make mm. it. That's really I think powerful. there's choice in there. And I think that's yeah. what we're tapping on is like when you choose the story, you have to actively choose how yeah. you want to make this serve you. Mm. Now that's powerful because then that, that speaks to like the, the most important first step is understanding you have a choice. Yeah. Right. It's like if you just start there, if all you do is realize I have a choice, then you're already 80% of the way there. Because then choosing it versus like that, that part's easy once you know that you can make that decision. It's like, hey, first just understand you have a choice. And I think that might be the, the, the blindfold in today's world is like we feel so powerless, right? Like, and I think the, the conditioning around us is that you don't have a choice or you're not powerful, right? And so we see it in, in the political protests or the social movements of like this whole thing of like you're born a certain gender or you're born a certain nationality or 
uh, race or ethnicity, then you have no choice. And I would argue we have more choice in today's world than ever before. Like the caveman didn't choose when it rained or when he had to go fight the saber toothed tiger. In today's world, I can choose if I want my house at 71 degrees or 68 degrees. (laughs) (laughs) I can choose what restaurant I'm ordering my Uber Eats from. So, like, just remember, you have a massive choice. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's interesting. I think we are tapping on, like, that if there was a distillation of it, if it just came down to one thing, it's like, what are you choosing to do? What story are you choosing? What interpretation are you choosing? Could be that. If only it was that simple. If only it was that simple. I think it is, though, because if we're the captains of our ship, right? We're mm. the master master of our soul, captain of our ship. I think that's Oprah talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, then, because we are. I mean, it, when I focus my attention on what I want to create and who I need to be to get there and how powerful and capable I am, miracles happen yeah. same day. Yeah, same day delivery. Same day delivery. Yeah. Versus like I focus on, you know, again, being like alone and like struggling or, you know, whatever, whatever the, 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 what I see as realness of my reality in this mm. moment. Mm. Um, sets you up to fail. Sets you up to, it actually recreates more of the same moment. Mm. Now that's part. So Theodore Roosevelt used to ask himself every single morning. He'd get his coffee and he'd ask himself, what good can I do today? And maybe it wasn't Theodore Roosevelt, but let's just say it was. (laughs) And and we we can extrapolate, like, how good of a life did he live? Just Mm -hmm. asking himself that one simple question every day and then choosing. Yeah. And so it's that same thing of like, well, who do I want to become? Right. And what can I do today to act like it? Yeah. To get there. My question in the morning is, how can I serve? Oh, that's a great question. How can I serve today? Use me to serve. And I literally, I tap into my angels and I just, how can I serve today? Mm. Show me how I can serve. And then someone came on my podcast and they said, um, you can also ask for who can serve you. And I was like, I don't know why I was so floored. I was like, oh, (laughs) that's a great idea. Who can serve me today? When I think we get lost in one or the other, right? We get lost in like, who's going to help me today? Who's going to serve me? Or how can I help everybody else? How can I? And yeah. it's like, what if there's both? There's both. Yeah. What if there's an exchange? Um, and something that's been really big, one of the biggest lessons recently in my life and on my entrepreneurial journey is the speed or the velocity in which things are implemented. So it's like, okay, who can I serve today? As soon as I get a name, I'm texting them. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's going on? Yeah. How can I support you today? Or yep. like, um, Someone posted on their Instagram story the other day, looking for a chef in Austin. And so I immediately close my phone and I think about it, think about it, think about it. Michelle. And I pull up Michelle's number and I send it to him. Uh. And I'm like, hey, this is a local chef. Don't know if she can help. Boom. Done. And then I can act on it in that moment. I can make the decision. I can do the thing. And then next thing. Right. That's the same with, uh, I mentioned earlier before the podcast, I just did a fast for a week. Uh, It was really, really bad. Um, but that decision came about, I have a spiritual mentor, personal coach and spirituality or whatever, like just trying to find myself, whatever. And he has me doing these meditations and he mentioned to me, he's like, Hey, I think it'd be really great for you to do a five to seven day fast after your birthday. And this is the week before my birthday. So my birthday's a Friday. He texted me the Thursday before or the Thursday, the week before. 
And I heard it and I'm like, why would I wait until after my birthday when I can do it right now? Nice. And so I was like, okay, great. Uh, I'm starting right now. And I was like, we'll be going until Friday and bye. Um, I was like, what do I need to do? And he's like, well, you should order all these supplements. And I was like, do I need them? And he's like, not really. And I was like, great. What do I need to do this right now? Um, so the, the velocity in which, same thing with my Ironman. I decided to run an Ironman. I bought the Ironman ticket the same day. And it's a $1,000 ticket to just go run the Ironman. And then I was like, okay, now that I'm in and I just spent all of my money on it, now it's like, okay, what coaching do I need? What training do I need? What supplements do I need? Do I need a bike, right? But all of those secondary questions come after the initial moment of decision. And I think the longer we wait, even in the morning, right? Like you're lying in bed and it's like, should I get up right now? Yes or no? You know, should I go back to sleep for however long? Cause you don't know. Cause you're asleep or should I get up right now? It's not five minutes. It's not one more TikTok. You know, it's like right now or not mm. make the decision. I like that you tap in and ask and you give it a little space. Like you, it's a, it, when you were describing, you know, asking for the chef, like mm, who can, who can I, who can help this? And you literally, it's just, you asked the question, you closed your eyes, you took a few deep breaths and then boom, the answer appears. Yeah, yeah. And we're that powerful if you give it a little space mm. and you ask questions. Right. That's the trick in my book. Like, if you just ask questions, how, how am I here to serve? What's next for me? Show me what I need to see is another question. But, you know, you open up the door yes. to get the insight. Mm. That's, well, and that's like we say, like, pray or talk to God, yeah. right? Like, maybe that's exactly what it is to talk to God. Because it's like, when I say like, I know I can help people, it's not that like, I'm Mr. High and Mighty that I can go help someone. I can just be a conduit. I can just be yeah. the, the grounding wire to do something, right? And so it's like that question of like, okay, like I know there's someone in my life that cooks food in Austin, Texas. I just know <laughs> it. I know that I might know someone or I might know someone that knows someone. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard the six degrees of separation. Yeah, Anybody in this world, six people away. And so it's like, okay, this guy needs a, a, a local chef in Austin. Maybe I'm the first degree, the second degree, the third degree. I don't know. All I know is that if I just sit, shut up and think about it, someone will come. And like, I've had other instances, um, for example, I had this, I was working my nine to five, um, a few years ago before I quit my job and raw dog the world with entrepreneurship. Um, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm working this job and I knew that I, so this is right when I first decided to do an Ironman and I'm like, okay, I need a coach. And I was like, I don't know where I'm going to get a coach. And then someone called and she's like, Hey, I do women's empowerment and fitness. And I'm not a woman. I don't need empowered, (laughs) but she said fitness. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And she's like, yeah, we want to do this like paper shredding event. It was a paper shredding company I was working for. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to pull on this thread. Lo and behold, we host this event with them, paper shredding event, and my Ironman coach was there. Sixty-year-old yeah. lady, you know, it's like a bunch of it's a bunch of wonderful women uh, doing women's empowerment and things. <laughs> and there's this twenty nineteen-year-old <laughs> kid there, going, I don't know, I'm just here to do an Ironman. And Jeanette uh, spoke on like, oh well, women's empowerment, do hard things, and I do Ironman, and I was like, bingo, founder. Yeah. I was like, but you got to pull the thread. Just ask. Yeah. And Just then ask. follow 
the the thread that comes, right? Mm. Follow the intuition, follow the hits. Right. That's step two. It's like, show yeah. me a sign, and then something and then, happens. And, and then you so. ignore the sign. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You just ask for a sign, you got one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could be that simple. Yeah. Imagine that. That's the um, the guy on top of the house in the flood. And like everything's, or he's like drowning, right? He's like in the flood and he's like, God save me. And a boat comes along and is like, get on the boat. And he's like, don't worry, God's got it. And then a helicopter <laughs> comes and the helicopter throws down the, the buoy and they're like, grab a hold. And he's like, don't worry, God's got it. And then he drowns and he goes to heaven and he's like, God, why didn't you save me? And God's like, bro, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Sometimes it's that obvious. It's right in front of us. And we just don't want to listen to some degree. Mm, mm. Then that's the question of like, are you, are you choosing the suffering? Like what about the suffering is actually, you don't want to let go of. Right. I read this and I pulled a tarot card last night and it said, um, I have the choice of letting go of my disease. Oh yeah. And I was like, Ooh, what part of me is holding on to diabetes? I was like, Whoa. that's intense. That's <laughs> like, yeah, intense. that took me a minute. I was like, wait, <laughs> hold I mean, on. <laughs> the, maybe like, uh, I think as soon as we get into like things like diabetes or cancer, there's like, I don't want to, maybe it's a bit more delicate. Yeah. But like Andrew Tate just went viral on the internet for saying depression isn't real. Mm. I don't know if you saw that, but like the whole internet is like hating this guy. Depression isn't real. What the do you mean? Depression isn't real. What the fuck? And like, and then he comes back and he's like, and I saw this, this clip of him where he's like, depression doesn't serve me. Why would I defend it? Ooh. Like, why would I defend something that doesn't help me in any way, shape or form? Wow. And that's something of like the, this mentality of like, how can I let go of the disease? Like, what if I don't even accept the fact that I have the disease on like yeah. mental health, right? Like I, I come from a background of like suicide attempts and depression, isolationism, whatever. And now, like, I tell myself the story and my good buddy, I, I'm always talking to him on the phone and he's like, God, you're turning into such like a, a, a red pill guy, right? He's like, you're turning into such an alpha. We joke about it, right? And because I'm like, I'm the most popular guy I know. <laughs> and I'm like, everyone <laughs> wants to talk to me. <laughs> and like, <It's> true. <laughs> but like, it's a story I tell myself, right? <sighs> and so like, I literally have spent the past week in my house. Like I noticed on my way to this podcast not week. Uh, I, I was out over the weekend, but I was leaving my house for this podcast and I realized I hadn't unlocked my door in like two days. Okay. And I was like, wow. And yet I'm still going to tell myself the story. I'm the most popular guy I know. Because hmm. I'm like, why would I tell myself anything different? Yeah. Why, why would I sit here? Okay, I'm working 18 hours a day. Why would I sit here and tell myself that, um, that I don't fit in? Why right. would I tell myself that I'm weird? Right. Right? Does that serve? Why would I tell myself I'm unhealthy? Yeah. You know, maybe there's like moments throughout my day where I'm like, whoa, that's maybe a health red flag, <laughs> you know? And like, I'm, I'm not saying ignore your reality. Like right. there's, you know, face the facts. It's, it's an interesting concept of like what we actually choose. Mm. Mm. And, and, and we're way more powerful than we realize. <sighs> way more powerful. Oh, yeah. I know my thoughts had, had contributed to diabetes. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And that's one well, that's very empowering that you can say that. Right. 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 And, and so it's like, there's so many people that are like, why you, you don't even understand. And, but like, 
speaking of this whole like choosing something, Napoleon Hill, I love this story from Think and Grow Rich. I think mm-hmm. this is like the single most golden gold nugget from Think and Grow Rich is his son is born without ears. Biologically, his son has no ears. No ears, okay. Yeah, no ears. So like no no hearing orifice. Okay. And so this kid's born with no ears, and the doctor's like, well, he's not going to hear ever because he doesn't have fucking ears. Right. right? Like, imagine that. <laughs> and as a kid growing up, his parents refused to accept the fact that they wouldn't hear, so they would talk to him normal, even though he can't hear them, right? Mm. And they would, they would te- treat him like a kid that could hear. They sent him to public school and refused to let the school give him any, like, special treatment, and they're like, no, put him in the back of the class. You know, like, they, they wanted this kid to earn it, right? Like, hey, learn how to hear. And, like, as a young, young kid, I think it was, like, very early on in his childhood, he would bite the side. And this is, like, in the early 1900s. He would bite the side of the record player because of the vibrations, bone conduction. So now there's headphones that don't produce any sound. They vibrate. Uh, like, I don't know if you've seen these new headphones, no. but they sit underneath your ear, and they vibrate your skull, and you can hear music crystal clear. Whoa. Where there's a will, there's a way. So this kid, before any of that science comes out, before we know that bone conduction produces what we know as sound, this kid is biting the side of the record player to listen to music. Wow. To learn how to hear through his mouth and learn how to hear through the vibrations around him. What we're capable of, huh? What we're capable of. So he graduates high school in a standard school, learning how to read mouths because like obviously there is some degree of disability, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. he doesn't have fucking ears. Like that's about is like born without a leg and still learning how to run. Like it's it's Impressive. Yeah, exactly, right? Um and so he graduates high school, he goes to college and his whole mission in life after college becomes I want to help other people that have hearing disabilities. And but like just even that of like living a normal life when born with a physical defect is like more impressive than I think anything I could do in my life because that's rejecting absolute reality. Like looking in the mirror and not seeing ears and still choosing to hear, that's an accomplishment because mm-hmm. everything in your reality is telling you you can't and you're still choosing, yeah, I can. So it's like the, the diabetes story, the dialogue we feed ourselves, I would say is the single predictor of our reality. How does this relate to business and how it shows up in your, in your career? well, we make decisions based on what we think, right? So it's like, if I believe that I will be more successful than Elon Musk, if that's the story I tell myself, if the story is I am the single greatest entrepreneur and business builder of our era in this part of history, then I make decisions on that. If Elon Musk, when he sold PayPal for 50 million, split it all into three different businesses and struggled to pay rent, like, it was like months after making a $50 million exit, the guy's not paying rent because he's put all of his money into these other businesses. He's like, okay, I went all in on black. Great, I'm going to do it again. And he just does that, right? And so he's like, well, if that's the level of decision-making and risk-taking it takes to operate at that level, I'm willing to do that too. Hmm. And so, like, the, the story I tell myself is, like, I'm a wonderful entrepreneur, right? Like, I, I'm actually an excellent business owner. And I build an incredible culture. And so then the decisions I make, like even on our our company call yesterday, our team call, it's an all hands call. So everybody on the team is on it. And so we have everybody from Filipino VAs to like American team members, right? Like admin team all the way to VAs. And 
I one of my VAs mentioned having a sick day and not feeling great. And there's the story I tell myself that I have the best culture in the world and the people on my team feel like family. And one of my admin guys, an American guy, he's like uh, not professional, shouldn't be talking about this. And I come off mute in the middle of the call and I go, hey, Mohith, I just want to say thank you so much for talking about how you're feeling and that you don't feel great because this is a place where it's safe to do so. And then like 20 minutes later in the same meeting, someone else comes out. I've been having suicidal thoughts recently. Wow. This is a business meeting. And I'm like, I built such an awesome culture. <laughs> and like that decision came from that story I tell myself. Yeah. Like maybe that's not professional to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. We're human. Yeah. Imagine that. Are we? <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> oh, man. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it, you live with intentionality is I what try. I'm hearing. I try. Yeah. But that, that all comes from like the, the stories we tell ourselves. And that, that whole thing of like our business success is directly related to the stories we tell ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I notice, especially as the leader, like if you're the leader of your business, if you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, you have a small team, if you're the admin or executive in a corporation, even if you're like management of a restaurant, you're choosing the outcome. Like that's the thing I think people don't realize is like how I show up emotionally and how I show up as a person in any environment. Like I take absolute, I love Jocko Willink's absolute ownership of like, Let's say we'll run the thought exercise. I was managing a hot dog stand, a fast food hot dog stand, right? Like I'm working at the local McDonald's or whatever. If I show up and I'm in a bitchy mood and I'm harassing people, my whole team is going to be on edge. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to do things behind my back. They're not going to tell me when they make mistakes. They're going to sweep it under the rug, like drops the ice cream cone. He's going to kick it behind the machine before I come walking around the corner to yell at him. Versus if I, if I create a space of accountability and excellence of like, okay, you dropped the ice cream cone, now let's clean it up and let's fix the problem, right? Like you don't want to just be all sunshine and rainbows, mm. but there is a reality of like, you're not a bad human being because you made a mistake. Mm. You're not a bad human being because of that. So like when I show up in leadership, that's intentional. When I show up for my company or when I show up for my clients, when I show up for a podcast like this and I go, how am I going to show up in this? Versus just showing up, you know, like, right. or even shut down, right? Like, that's the other side of it is like, if you're not choosing and you're not in a great spot, you're probably just going to be sullen and down and mm-hmm. talk like this. And, and even I'm sure like listening to this whole podcast, my voice has become more animated mm-hmm. as I've chosen in and chosen in and chosen in to showing up strong. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so it's, and it's also a momentum thing for sure. Yeah. Like the more we choose it, the more we we're going to. Yeah. You're beating a path through the jungle. So I really like the step of, of writing down how you want to show up. And and, mm. and and your your first name, last name idea was brilliant. Uh, first name, middle, middle name. name, excuse yeah. me. Like uh, who's the person that you know, who do you want to be versus who's the guy that tries to convince you to do other things that right. you know aren't serving. Right. And then um, what's the life that you really want to create? What are your drivers? Right. And and what what does the character look like that will get you there? Mm. It's not mm. the pot smoking, you know, sit on the couch, eating pizza and no. gummies. Yeah, it can be. <laughs> Sour patch. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right? It's oh it, That's not going to get you there. So no. where do you want to go and who do you need to be get the, who do you need to be to get there? Yeah. Absolutely. And then um, I used to use the trick of every time I walk through a door, 
before I'd walk through, I'd be like, what's the energy I'm bringing into the space? Mm. Am I kind of bringing in my shit and I'm upset about a conversation and I'm going to walk in like, hi, <laughs> you yeah. know, and I'm like feisty in here yeah. versus like, okay, new space, new people. Mm. When there's a huge intentionality to that mm-hmm. of like, even just that one thing people think, oh, that's so easy. To be aware of that every time you walk through a door. I, yeah, I invite you to do it for a week. Of like yeah. Every time you walk through a door, pause. pause. Like grab the door handle, pause, breathe. How am I showing up? Yeah. What am I walking into this room with? Right. How's like, my energy oh, right shit. now? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And in today's world where I can stay in the same room and do 30 different things on my phone, maybe it's even every time I close the app, what am I doing now? Yeah. Am I going to mindlessly go to Instagram and scroll? Or am I going to choose to do something? Or, okay, I'm texting someone new. Am I bringing the same energy from that conversation into this conversation? Right. Yeah. And, and maybe I should. Maybe bringing that same energy is a good thing. Maybe it's not. Yeah. You know? So. Harrison, what a treat. Mm. Ah, you're such a blessing. I'm so grateful you moved to Austin. Yeah. So fun to have you here. And um, are there any final nuggets of wisdom that want to flow out of your, <laughs> your delightful brain? Mm. <laughs> mm. Thank you for the the question uh, I'll bookend this with just like I think that the things that have served me the most is being willing to be uncomfortable and choosing to have conversations I'm naturally introverted which the, the, your face shows me that, that that's a surprise <laughs> you think um, and so like I, I've just chosen to have as many conversations as possible like I think that whole saying your network is your net worth it's not don't social climb yeah. But it is, how many people can I really get to know? Mm. How many people can be in my extended friend circle? Maybe I don't, I don't hang out with Nikki every day. Yeah. I see you in passing. We go back and forth on text every once in a while. But I, treat, I hope I treat you with respect. I'm present with you when I am with you. Yeah. And I'm always looking for a way to serve. You know, mm. the whole thing of how can I serve? Um, so I'd leave it with that. I want you to know that just your presence and just that intentionality shows without you saying a word. Mm. You walk in and when you when I'm in your encounter, when I'm with you in your presence, it is full presence, first of all. Um, you're here present with me every time. And there's this energy of like love and serve and, and, and really connectedness that you don't have to say a word. I feel safe, I feel seen, um, I feel important. Mm. Yeah, just yeah. just because you ha- you don't have to say anything, but now I understand why because you have this inner dialogue of like I want to I'm here to serve. Yeah, well, and it's like what can I learn from this conversation mm. from this person, um, and get fucking uncomfortable. <laughs> go go do hard fucking things. I'm complete. That's all I want to share. Unless there's anything else you want to no, touch on. I love it. Yeah, do uncomfortable things. It's interesting. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, and that whole thing of like getting uncomfortable be, or getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Like the more you can get aware of like the same feeling approaching a beautiful woman at a bar is the same feeling getting in an ice bath is the same feeling halfway through an Iron Man is the same feeling emptying the bank account. It's the same feeling across the board. It's like, <laughs> you know, right? like your, your butthole puckers a little <laughs> bit, your stomach goes light, <laughs> like your stomach falls through the floor, your heart beats a little bit faster. Same feeling every time, yeah. every time, right when you square up for a fight, same feeling as emptying the bank. They're like the, the feeling of discomfort is the same. It just increases in magnitude. 
Mm-hmm. So, same feeling when you finish the cookie jar. Mm-hmm. When you're like, I'm not going to eat them. I'm not going to eat them. I'm not going to eat them. And then like snap and you eat like 35 cookies. <laughs> like the same feeling at the bottom of the bag is like, oh, fuck, what did I just do? Is the same feeling of what am I just about to do? Like when you're about to jump out of the airplane mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, fuck. What it's like a sinking sensation. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just like... It either happens before or after the action, which is great feedback on if the action is serving you. Uh. Because if it's before, it's probably a good thing. Growth edge, right? Mm. Versus it's after, maybe it's a bit more sabotage. (laughs) (laughs) Just a thought. Like someone someone jumps out of an airplane skydiving. I'm about to go skydiving for my first time ever. So this is just... I'm extrapolating, but before you jump out of the plane, most people are like, oh my God, I can't do this. Oh my God. Oh my. And then they jump out of the plane and they hit the, like, you know, obviously they'll hit the ground, but hopefully. hopefully they jump out of the plane and they come down and then they land and they're like, ah, that was the best thing ever. And they're hype, right? They're like, right. that's on the other side of discomfort. Mm. So, and maybe don't be extreme and jump out of a plane tomorrow, but. <laughs> Like, uh, maybe take a cold shower for 60 seconds. You're not going to die. No. Right? Just a thought. It's funny. It's, it's always empowering. The oh other side God. is empowerment. Right. The, other power, the other side is like, whoa, I am way stronger than I realized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every time. Yeah. Holy yeah, yeah. shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And every time I do, like, something way bigger, right? Like my Ironman, I tripled my business revenue doing an Ironman. Not working more on the business doing an Ironman. I just mentioned I fasted for a week. My business is already, like, I'm already seeing growth in my business the week after doing that. Hmm. I'm like, oh, of course. Go do hard things. And the more you do hard things, and then, like, when something overwhelming comes up in business, right? Like, oh, fuck, I don't know how to approach that problem. You already know you can do hard things. Yeah. Like, okay, cool, figure it out. Yeah. Amazing. Harrison, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Such a treat. Oh, I love you so much. I it's love you good. so much. It's always so much fun. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, your audience, if they want to get a hold of me. Yes, please. Um, Instagram, Ice White Harry. So, ice White Harry. Yeah, ice is in frozen water. White is in my skin color and hairy like <laughs> Harry Potter. Um, so Ice White Harry. Uh, that's where you can find me on all social media. Um, it should be all the social medias at least, but I'm only on Instagram anyway. So just find me on Instagram and I'd love to have a conversation with them or with you because you're listening. Um, so ping me on Instagram. Um, I'm a real human being. So you're like, definitely a real human being. Farm fresh and organic. Um, <laughs> oh, you're yeah, the best. Yeah, Thank you, Harrison. If anybody needs marketing, feel free ah, to reach out. Yes. That is the business. What's so. your company name? Co-creates. It's all a co-creation, right? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So we, we, uh, we do boutique marketing solutions for lots of different people, but we work with some really high profile clients. We've got some great case studies and we're always looking to help out new people. So just let me know. Beautiful. Yay. Thank you guys. Thank you so much, Harrison. Thank you guys for tuning in. I love you all so much. It's been a pleasure. Bye.